Welcome to Girl Scout Phraseology, a mini-series in the Girl Scout Troop Leader Experience podcast where we offer a brief description and explanation of different terms and phrases that you might hear in Girl Scouting. Today, we're going to talk about Juliet Gordon-Lowe, First Headquarters, and The Birthplace. Okay, Juliet Gordon-Lowe is the founder of Girl Scouts, and she was known for being sort of eccentric and quirky, as well as massively determined. So super Girl Scout fans and historians are um, really into Juliet Gordon-Lowe, especially her quirky personality. When she founded Girl Scouts in the USA, Um, She was inspired by the work of Lord Robert Baden-Powell, who's the founder of Boy Scouts over in the UK. And Julia Gordon-Lowe joined the Girl Guide movement in England in 1911. And when she returned to the U.S. in 1912, she founded a USA version of the UK Girl Guides. And originally, this was called Girl Guides in the U.S. as well, but eventually it became known as Girl Scouts, which is obviously what it's called today. Her birthday is October 31st, and so even today, we celebrate October 31st, um, Juliet Gordon-Lowe's birthday, and we call it Founders Day. Juliet's nickname was Daisy, which is why daisies are named daisies. <laughs> um, and she's been called that, or she was called that, ever since she was a little, little child um, by her father. Um, but she became known as Crazy Daisy, even to her friends and her cousins. And in fact, one of her cousins is quoted as having said about her, while you never knew what she would do next, she always did what she made up her mind to do. I thought that was a good quote. Um, Juliet was very clumsy and injury and illness prone, even as a small child. Um, In fact, she broke her fingers so severely at six years old that her parents even considered having two of them amputated. As an adult, she was unable to have children biologically, which was one of the things that caused a big strain on her marriage. And, um... I find this really interesting as a troop leader who does not have a kid in the troop. This, and in fact, I don't have any biological children at all. I um, definitely find that really interesting. People always talk about how strange it is, um, how unusual it is that I am a volunteer without kids in the troop. And in fact, every troop leader in my troop, um, the history of my troop, none of us have ever had kids in the troop. And I feel like it's like a nod to Juliet Lowe. Okay. She was involved in a million things. She had like a zillion hobbies. She did painting, woodworking, metalworking. She knew shorthand. She knew how to ride bareback. She hunted partridge. She did sculpting. She even designed and built iron gates for her home. Um, She was known for hosting parties and events and was very socially connected, and she devoted so much of her time to charity work, even though her husband was against it. (laughs) Now, I've mentioned two things about her husband and her marriage so far not being great, and the truth is that her husband was kind of a scumbag who was having affairs, and in particular one um, notable affair, with a woman who he actually ended up leaving everything to in his will after he passed away, which left Juliet with nothing, except his sisters actually um, thought that was wrong, and they, like, helped her get a small sum of money and a little bit of property. But um, even while he was alive, they were living separately, and they were actually facing 
very slow divorce proceedings, but it, it never did go through. Um, she was forced to be a really independent woman because even though the divorce was sort of in progress um, for many years, they were living separately and she was having to live independently and had trouble like getting money from him and everything like that. So at the time, circa 1900 um, and earlier, that was just really unusual for a woman to be forced to be living that independently. So Julia Lowe was kind of a trailblazer in that way. Um, so after her husband's death, she threw herself into charity, like really devoted all of her time to um, being involved in charity and volunteering. And that's how she eventually um, met Lord Baden-Powell and got inspired by Boy Scouts, which at that time was about 40,000 members strong in Europe and the U.S. Um, and Juliet was particularly interested in the core values of military preparedness and having fun, which she thought both of those things were really important. So the Girl Guide offshoot of Boy Scouts encouraged girls to become self-sufficient by learning to spin wool and care for livestock. And when Juliet got involved um, in the UK, she started teaching them knot tying, how to read a map, knitting, cooking, first aid, and her friends in the military taught the girls drilling, signaling, and camping. Then she arrived back in Savannah, Georgia, about a year later, and she brought the Girl Guide movement to the U.S. And so there was this famous phone call when she got back, um, and it's quoted frequently. And the quote is, I've got something for the girls of Savannah and all America and all the world, and we're going to start it tonight. Girl Scouts in the USA was founded in March of 1912 with the very first two patrols, which we would now call troops, which was a total of 18 girls. And Juliet's extensive social connections contributed to the quick early growth of the movement in the USA. She advertised in newspapers and magazines and also recruited her family and friends. She established the first headquarters in a remodeled carriage house behind the home in Savannah that she inherited from her husband. And the headquarters contained meeting rooms for local patrols, and the lot outside was used for marching and signaling drills and sports, including basketball. And you can still go visit there today in Savannah. Some other notable moments in Juliet's life that are frequently referenced or quoted in the Girl Scout world um, one, she developed breast cancer in 1923, but she kept it a secret. She had multiple operations and surgeries, and she was informed in 1925 that she had six months to live. But that did not stop her devotion to Girl Scouts. She even snuck away from her treatment at one point to make a speech at the Girl Scout Regional Conference in Richmond. But ultimately, she passed away from breast cancer in 1927 at the age of 66 years old. 250 Girl Scouts left school early to attend her funeral and burial at the Laurel Grove Cemetery. She was buried in her Girl Scout uniform with a note in her pocket that says, you are not only the first Girl Scout, but the best Girl Scout of them all. Another one is that Juliet Lowe was hard of hearing, so she could not hear out of one ear. And then on top of that, she got a grain of rice lodged in the other on her wedding day, which made her even more hard of hearing. 
Um, so interestingly, accessibility for girls and volunteers of different abilities has always been a priority in Girl Scouting. Um, in the early days of Girl Scouts, when they were really desperate for money to fund the organization, Juliet sold a beloved and valuable pearl necklace to fund the organization's expenses. So pearls are very symbolic in Girl Scout culture because of that selfless gesture. Juliet was also known for handstands. She loved to do handstands on her birthday, and she's also known for doing handstands to get attention, like when she's trying to get men to listen to what she had to say, um, which kind of contributes to that crazy daisy eccentricity that Girl Scout fanatics just love to talk about regarding Juliet and Girl Scout history. So there's a ton of great Girl Scout and um, Juliet Lowe biographies and history. Um, there's books and tons of information on the internet if you want to learn more. But in true Girl Scout phraseology fashion, that is my brief overview of Juliet Lowe and the first headquarters slash the birthplace. This podcast is not affiliated with or endorsed by GSUSA. It is completely run by volunteers and girls. Follow us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or at www.girlscoutpodcast.com.